Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? (laughs) Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. A pleasure to see you as always. Very nice to see you. We have a theme episode today, kind of by accident, but uh, (laughs) nevertheless, we've got a couple of our guests who are joining us from Minnesota. Have you had a chance to visit uh, Minnesota, the land of many lakes, (laughs) 10,000 lakes? Wow, nothing is really jumping out to me. Which makes me think that I haven't visited Minnesota because I am a fan of Minneapolis because Prince is from there sure, and yes. lived there and famously would pop up and perform in small venues there. And I always just fantasized about being in some random pub in Minnesota and Prince would roll in like I would oh. die. Oh, gosh. And worst case, you get to be in a random pub. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know too much about Minnesota. I have not spent that much time in Minnesota, if at all. But I fantasize about uh, Minneapolis. I-, I guess I put Minneapolis on a on an iconic stage in my mind because Interesting. Yes. But St. Paul can go to hell. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's alienate it's certain the bad, parts. It's the bad twin. I'm kidding. No, I'm, no. I'm not. I don't take offense to it. We twin love cities. everybody. Yeah. By the way, if we have any listeners in St. Paul, please let us know and let us know nicely. Uh, today on Go. <laughs> Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics, and finally, declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? She is an award-winning singer, songwriter, and playwright who's released 11 solo albums and who performed over 50 live Kitchen COVID concerts, which can now be seen on YouTube. It's Jonathan Brooks. Hi, Jonathan Brooke. Woohoo! Jonathan providing her own crowd noise. That's a, that's a trick you learned as a live performer for so long. I know. And after 57 COVID concerts, <laughs> I still didn't learn how to make that happen as I was live streaming. <laughs> it was so dumb of me. That we're, we're all learning as we go. Mm-hmm. Well, in addition to all of the wonderful things that Helen said, I need to say that for me personally, this is such a treat because I've been a fan of yours for, I realize, 25 years now. I have all of your albums. I've seen you in concert dozens of times. It, it means so much to me to, to have you here. Um, and I was kind of curious, sort of, who's who's your Jonathan Brooke? Who's someone who, who you've admired and you can't believe, oh my gosh, I get to work with this person? Ooh, well, that would be uh, all the people that were on my records over the years. Yeah. Um, you know, Steve Gadd, Joe Sample, Marcus Miller. You know, yeah, music. we had Marcus Miller on uh, Go Fact Yourself as a guest. No way. Yeah, the, the jazz uh, composer. And, he knows uh, everything about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. interesting. Did, we, he, we... I'm sh- did he win? Uh, he he was an expert for somebody else, and uh, he won. He won in the sense that he completely surprised his friend. It was Alonzo Bowden. It was Alonzo <gasps> Bowden, right? So cool. I was just listening on a on a plane on the way back from Nashville last week. I was listening to uh, that song by Beyonce all night, mm-hmm. where Marcus Miller is playing the bass part, and 
I could listen to that song a hundred million times and never get tired of what Marcus plays. Yeah, well, that definitely is a good comparison because I listen to your stuff millions of times and also uh, never get sick of it as well. So uh, that's that's so cool. All right, enough enough gushing, at least for now. We mentioned these Kitchen COVID concerts where you were performing every week live on YouTube and Facebook. What was the motivation for starting that? I maybe have an addictive nature, so I got kind of addicted to it, but it also gave me purpose. And I felt Mm. like if I stop, I will have no purpose. And then what will I do with myself and how will I make a living? Because it actually became a source of staying alive income wise. So Mm. it really saved me and my husband because he's also in the music business. You know, his stuff shut down too. He manages recording artists. So like we were all grounded. There was nothing coming in. It's like, all right, I'm going to do a concert every week and see what happens. And it worked. You think it changed you as a performer? It did. It was, it really, it hones your chops, man. Because if, you know, this two-dimensional thing, I'm sure you guys are (laughs) familiar with it. It is not easy. And it does feel like 200% of the same amount of energy is just barely enough to really feel like you are engaging all those people and Mm. giving them what they want and, and feeling like you've done the a good job you can't you can't just phone it in and then i so i started doing this thing after each song i would perform i would say thank you thank you <laughs> and that sort of made it feel a little bit more like you know pretend real <laughs> well speaking of performing in different kinds of ways you've gotten more into playwriting in recent years how did you get into doing theater it was preordained by oh. my mother i think i ended up taking my mother in in 2010 she had alzheimer's and needed round-the-clock care. So everything else ground to a halt, and I moved mom to New York to live with me. For the next two years, it was my full-time job, was caring for mom, and it became this incredible love story, adventure, theater of the crazy, and mom herself was complicit in the plan. (laughs) She would always say, like, Bully, that's my nickname, or this this is really good stuff. Like, we gotta make a play out of this. We should take it, we could take it to Broadway. You know, the fat old lady and the beautiful kid, we could make a lot of money. And then I was like, you know what? <laughs> like, mom, you, you're demented, but you're right. Like, this is <laughs> this is way bigger than the two of us and me writing songs about it. Yeah, that show became My Mother Has Four Noses, which I was fortunate enough to see uh, in New York. And you had a new theater project called Tempest that is kind of a sci-fi, grief, human, futuristic kind of a thing. Uh, where are you in the process of, uh, of that show? So I'm co-writing a musical with Jacqueline Backus, who's just a genius young playwright. We just turned in our first draft to our producers. It's a commission. So, and it was accepted. So, you know, we hurdled, we hurdled that bar and we are refining and revising and hoping to turn in our second draft September 1st. And if people want to hear sort of a preview of that, uh, one of your recent COVID kitchen concerts is you actually showed some of the work in progress, which is a very vulnerable thing for you. You, you are, For our listeners, <laughs> Jonathan's <laughs> literally biting her fingernails right now, just thinking about it. Yeah, I, I don't even think I got through any of the songs without screwing them up, but it's good to be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Last thing I want to ask you about, you are, I believe, from Chicago, spent a lot of time in Boston, lived in New York. You now are in Minnesota, and we have a bit of a Minnesota-themed episode. How did you end up in Minnesota, and how do you like it there? I love it here. My husband grew up, you know, just 10 blocks from where we are now. (laughs) So I was not afraid of Minneapolis, and, you know, because most people are like, oh my God, it's so cold. I mean, I grew up in Boston, so I'm not afraid of the cold. And it's a great town and I think it, I have high hopes for it. And we were able to move out of New York and actually buy a place to live, which would not have happened in New York City. We were just priced out and tired and too cranky to live crappy in a 
you know, studio apartment. So we actually bought a house in Minneapolis. Yay. Congrats. Yay. Thank yes. you. We just fixed the windows because they're like from 1927. <laughs> <laughs> well, Minnesota is lucky to have you and we're lucky to have you. Jonathan Brooke, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, Helen, against whom will Jonathan be competing? He is an award-winning actor and writer from Mystery Science Theater 3000 who can be seen as part of the movie riffing duo The Mads. It's Trace Beaulieu. Hello, Trace Beaulieu. Hey, hello, everyone. Jonathan, welcome to uh, Minnesota. Thanks, Trace. Are you here, too? Yes, I live out near the St. Croix River, oh, nice. which is east of you. And how did you end up in Minnesota, Trace? My mother born me here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. And I had no choice in the matter. No, I grew up in, in Hopkins, Minnesota, which is a western suburb of Minneapolis. Lived in South Minneapolis for many years. Moved to Los Angeles for a while. Realized... I miss trees and lakes and water and moved back here about 15 years ago. Excellent. Well, you were an expert for us on our previous episode, along with Frank Conniff on episode 78 for Robert Lopez in the topic of Mystery Science Theater 3000. And what I loved about that episode so much is that you seemed as happy to meet our guest as our guest was to meet you. That was an honor for you as well. Oh, absolutely. Frank gets out more than I do. He knows more famous people. So uh, anytime I can meet people in this format without me having to leave my house. Is... <laughs> That's right. We bring the famous people to you. That's our promise on Go Fact Yourself. It's a delivery system. It's like uh, Grubhub for people. <laughs> we're looking We're looking for a new slogan. Maybe it's that. It's Grubhub for people. Uh, it's Mug, mug Hub. Mug hub. Or, yeah. When you were on the show before, you talked about your experience of going to the Peabody Awards. We didn't talk about you being nominated for two Emmys for your work on Mystery Science Theater 3000. What was your Emmy experience like? We went twice. The first time, it was all very exciting. And the second time, we said, as soon as we lose, let's go and have dinner somewhere. <laughs> we were really fortunate we got to meet some of our heroes from our childhood. John Aston mm. is an example of really, really nice people. We got to be the, the kids from the Cowtown puppet <laughs> show going to Hollywood. Ever since then, you said, you know, let the famous people come to me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm in my garage. You can find me. Exactly. We were talking with Jonathan about what it was like for her to perform with no live audience or feedback. And I was thinking about that with, with MST3K. That's actually how it started. You were doing these incredible jokes without live audience or feedback. What was that journey like working this kind of humor, both without and then with an audience? Well, it, it was so much fun to do live shows after being in the studio for so many years. There's no better drug than hearing laughter when you've written a joke and you go, wow, I guess that was a joke. That's why I became a stand-up comic and not a meth addict. <laughs> yes, I'm a meth addict now. Oh, no, we're, we're, we're breaking news. <laughs> Trace, you went the other direction. Well, now there's no audience, so yeah. I have to get that adrenaline rush somehow. My goal each month when we do these shows is to make Frank Conniff laugh. Mm. So if I can score a couple of jokes off Frank, then I'm I'm happy. Well, you've got another uh, Mad show coming up on August 10th. Is that going to be a live show, a virtual show, a combination? Whatever this is. Whatever, oh, okay. This... <laughs> whatever this thing is. I don't know what yeah. to call it anymore. But yeah, yeah lie, it'll be live. It is but live. We will, yes. But it's but virtual. Will... You're going to be riffing live, but people are not in the same room with you watching it. God, I hope not. Oh, it's boy. Very <laughs> tiny room. Yeah. And then the show is available later for download. So Got I it. guess we're all good things. We're live and then not live. Aren't we all? Uh, <laughs> before we started recording, Jonathan mentioned that she had Googled you. And I did the same thing when I was uh, doing some research. And I noticed that in my Google autocomplete, when I start to write your name, it says, Trace Bullyu, 
dash American Puppeteer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering how you feel about that being your uh, your first identity, according to the internet. That's fine. We we all know that the internet is wrong. Okay, uh, <laughs> you're not. Cons- now, is it the American part or the puppeteer part? It's the combination. It's ah. like, so can I only puppeteer on this continent? Is that North and South America, or just? <laughs> The United States. I see. Okay, so the fact that it was more of a continental thing as opposed to just the country. I'd love to puppeteer in Canada one day. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> this is how show business works. We're so happy that you joined us, Trace Beaulieu. Trace and Jonathan, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have expertise. Jonathan, you told us you know a lot about the TV show Shit's Creek, the Twitter account at M underscore Crouton, and Cults. Whereas Trace, you said you know a lot about Monty Python, Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's monster, and Minnesota cuisine. We have, we have a lot to unpack. Wow. <laughs> Later on, we'll ask you some in-depth trivia questions about one of these topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, high anxiety. First up, Jonathan with high. Jonathan, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I'll let her tell you herself because we have our very first listener recording. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, hit it. Hi, this is Allison Carroll of Fort Worth, Texas, and my question for What's the Difference is, while they both are things you say to someone of high stature, What's the difference between addressing a royal as your majesty and your highness? Your majesty and your highness. All right. Thank you so much, Allison. Jonathan, you heard Allison's question. What is the difference between saying your majesty and your highness? Jonathan, yeah, uh... deep in thought. <laughs> I think that it has to do with uh, whatever the occasion is. Like, ah. uh, your majesty would be for something very very formal and okay. then your highness would be for having high tea okay very I good i have no freaking idea you know what that's a very reasonable guess and we appreciate your sticking it out all right we don't know yet if you are correct though trace if you think she doesn't have it exactly right you can steal what do you think you address them as your majesty if they're sitting down and your highness if they're standing <laughs> interesting because they're literally higher than when they're sitting they have all to right. make it easy for the commoner i understand well that, that's what all royalty does they make it easy for the commoner all right well this segment needs to be dethroned let's go to helen hong at the judges table for the facts here are the facts your majesty is reserved only for a monarch like the queen the king or the emperor your highness is used for other royalty like a princess or a duke there you go that's right uh, by the way this wasn't always the case until 1519 all royalty was referred to as your highness whether they were sitting or standing but charles v of austria decided he wanted the title of majesty and others like henry the eighth quickly copied him and the title stuck unlike the heads of Henry VIII's wives. <laughs> Helen, how did they do in that round? I don't think either one of you got that. No, mm-hmm. very very creative and reasonable answers just happen to be incorrect. All right, up next in High Anxiety is Trace. Trace, while Henry VIII's wives probably felt a lot of both, what is the difference between fear and anxiety? Fear and anxiety. Fear is an actual 
physiological response to being asked the question, what's the difference between fear and anxiety? And anxiety is never knowing the answer. <laughs> never knowing. All right. We somehow don't know if that's entirely correct. So Jonathan, what do you think? Anxiety is a constant. <laughs> fear is a sometimes. Fear is a sometimes. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I'm afraid that this segment is over. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Fear is an emotional reaction to a danger or threat that is known and external. You're reacting to a real thing that poses real harm right now. Anxiety is a reaction to a danger or threat that is unknown or uncertain or completely imaginary. That's right. Fear is a core emotion that actually has an evolutionary purpose that helps us to survive because it can mobilize you to act appropriately. Anxiety might mobilize you to act, but it also might mobilize you to eat an entire box of Oreos. Helen, how did our guest do in that? Hmm. Neither of you were quite on target with this one as well. Hmm. You were you were well. circling the drain. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely image. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to give both of you a half point because you weren't quite on target, but you were sort of in the ballpark. Yes. So, yeah, yes. a half point for both of you. Circling the drain in the ballpark. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very nice. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Jonathan Brook has half a point and Trace Bull you also has half a point. Close game, and those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, someone delivered happiness right to my door. Uh, let me guess. It's Magic Spoon. It is Magic Spoon. <laughs> I got a lovely box of Magic Spoon the other day, and I was thinking, there are so few things in life that I know as soon as I see them, they're going to make me happy, and yet Magic Spoon's delivery is one of them. <laughs> it's so great to get a delivery of Magic Spoon because, you know, if you've been trying to cut down on carbs, sugar, unhealthy food, it might feel like you basically can't eat anything anymore, but, oh, you can eat Magic Spoon, and it is so delicious and makes you happy as soon as it arrives. Helen, tell them, why does it make me so happy besides it being delicious? Well, it's healthy. There are zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, 140 calories, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. You can build your own box or get a variety pack with available flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, and cinnamon. And Magic Spoon is bringing back two super popular flavors, cookies and cream and maple waffle permanently. Oh. Those are the ones I just got recently, and they are so Yay. delicious. By the way, Helen, I don't know if we mentioned, Magic Spoon is cereal. It's cereal, people. <laughs> It's all of these great things, and it's also cereal. Oh, yeah, we should have, we should have, maybe we should have opened with that. <laughs> yeah, we might not be good at this, but the point is, Magic Spoon is very good at it. And, uh, you know, when these cookies and cream and maple waffle flavors were first introduced for a limited time, they sold out extremely quickly. So we want to let you know to make sure to get them again and try them for the first time if you haven't already. They're delicious, they're indulgent, and yes, just to clarify one more time, they are cereal. Helen, how can people get that cereal with a special discount? Go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab your delicious cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code gofact at checkout to save $5 off your order. 
And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. Although I'm not sure how many of you are going to be hap- as happy as Jay Keith when he gets yeah. his Magic Spoon. I, I, I get an, ex- an extra 10% of happiness, <laughs> at least. So if you don't like the cereal for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. So remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash GoFact and use the code GoFact to save $5 off. It's cereal. Thank, Thank you, you, Magic Spoon. Hi, I'm Annabelle Gerwich. And I'm Laura House. And we're the hosts of Tiny Victories. My tiny victory is that I sewed that button back on the day after it broke. We talk about that little thing that you did that's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. Did you get that Guggenheim Genius Award? We don't want to hear from you. We want little bitty tiny victories. My tiny victory is a tattoo that I added onto this past weekend. Let's talk about it. My victory is that I'm one year cancer free, but my tiny victory is that I took all of the cushions off the couch, pounded them out, put them back, And it looks so great. So if you're like us and you want to celebrate the tiny achievements of ordinary people, listen to Tiny Victories. It's on every Monday on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Jonathan Brooke and Trace Beaulieu. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Jonathan, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the TV show Shit's Creek, the Twitter account at M underscore Crouton, and cults. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about the TV show Shit's Creek. Why did you choose that for a topic? <laughs> I did fall into the Shit's Creek cult and just devoured it during the pandemic and just fell in love with every single character. There were a couple of very powerful scenes, usually with Moira and Stevie, Mm -hmm. where there was such deep empathy and beautiful feminism and Mm. joy that they brought to their relationship that I would just be a puddle of tears. Mm, Very well explained. Also, next you said you know a lot about the Twitter account at M underscore Crouton. I think you might have to explain a little bit about what this is in addition to what this is to you. (laughs) Well, Crouton is a steer, a boy cow. (laughs) So don't call him a cow. He's a steer. Okay. (laughs) There is a sanctuary farm in upstate New York called Squirrelwood Sanctuary. And they have all sorts of rescued animals there. Like, it's a whole crazy menagerie of animals. Horses, pigs, a donkey, dogs, some geese. (laughs) And they rescue animals. And somebody, I don't know, gave the two women who run the place the idea like, well, you should, you know, Crouton should have a Twitter account. Like, he's such a cute cow. I mean, steer. So they started this Twitter account for Crouton, and they do these nightly little videos from the barn as they're tucking the animals in to sleep. And it is addictive and (laughs) was such comfort during the pandemic, again, because it was calm and Mm. loving and felt like something that you could manage. (laughs) And so they would ask for sort of contributions and every week they would get more minty muffins and then you could watch them giving the animals minty muffins, which were little, I don't know, pellets of gunk that the that animals <laughs> like. And then you could watch them tucking in Crouton and Mojo the donkey and Rue the pig 
and Shrimpy, the large horse. And like the straight guy of the whole crew is this goat named (laughs) Luscious. (laughs) And Luscious, I swear to God, it's like such comedy because Luscious is expression never changes and like, he's, just, like, he's just always watching what's going on and there's another minty muffin wow and, and then it's just it, it's it's, it's amazing season. that this topic has not come up before on the show seriously <laughs> i'm a, i'm like the from your description i'm now obsessed and i haven't even experienced the twitter feed you need to go see it all right well shifting gears slightly you also told us that you know a lot about cults having been raised in a little bit of a cultish kind of thing i thought well I'm a little obsessed with culty things, so uh, that would be my one of my topics. What's your favorite cult? I mean, you know, j- just not to be in, but... The thing that I'm, like, obsessed with this week is this new one, Love Has Won. Amy Carlson was... They called her Mother God. That sounds like a cult, yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently she claims to have been reincarnated from both Jesus and Marilyn Monroe. So oh. that was like, <laughs> you had me at Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Well, Jesus and Marilyn Monroe, the original power couple. Often when I'm on the road, I'll have my guitar player, Sean, read me things about cults because I'm usually the driver and then he'll just read me stuff about like BTK and... And then you've got to go to the M. Crouton Twitter feed to come down from that, to, to yeah, calm and obviously I don't sleep at all because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I have terrible dreams. All right. So to summarize of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the TV show Schitt's Creek, the Twitter account at M underscore Crouton and cults. Today, we're going to quiz you about the Twitter account at M underscore Crouton. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Excellent. We love that excitement. How did you first discover this uh, Twitter account, if you remember? My friend Lydia said, Joe, you need to really, you really need to do this because you're, you're a little out of control. (laughs) You're too anxious. And we got to get through this thing. And this is so every night before I would go to bed, I would look at the crouton, um, the tucking in the animals and I would be able to go to bed. Oh my gosh. It's like emotional Xanax. (laughs) It's totally emotional Xanax. First of all, I had a very big learning curve on this this week um, (laughs) because I had never heard of this, but it is adorable. I recommend our listeners check out this feed. But there are different ones of sort of just crouton being fed and saying goodnight and then different animals running around and farm life. (laughs) Are there there particular ones that that strike your fancy? The pigs. The pigs. They have a bunch of pigs that are just like out of control funny. And when it's really hot, (laughs) they fill up these little small kiddie pools. water and the pigs are like 400 pound pigs so they'll just like jump into well not even jump they'll sort of waffle into the <laughs> kiddie pools and then crush the whole thing all the water falls out but they're just happier than pigs and you know what and then also the sound of pigs eating watermelon <laughs> there's just nothing better i'm so glad i asked all right well just ahead we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question but before that to give you a chance to show off here are five trivia questions about your topic each worth one point if you want it your lot a total of two hints in these five questions now trace do listen closely because you can steal if jonathan gets any wrong trace by the way how much do you know about the twitter account <laughs> at m underscore crouton i am learning and I am going there as soon as we're done here. (laughs) (laughs) You won't regret it, I promise. Uh, We raise chickens, so I know that some of the antics of animals can be quite tranquilizing and and entertaining. (laughs) We'll see if that comes in handy. All right, Jonathan, here's question number one. Although Crouton is a steer, he lives at SES, Squirrelwood Equine Sanctuary. What common farm animals are equines? Equines are 
horses. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. You did not need the hint, but I know Helen was very eager to give it to you if you had needed it. (laughs) Helen, what would that hint have been? (laughs) Come on. That was good. That That was was really good. That was very good. That was really good. Helen is high-fiving her camera. (laughs) Fun fact, equines include the modern horses, zebras, and asses, as well as more than 60 species known only from fossils. There are, of course, equines at Squirrelwood Equine Sanctuary, although I don't believe they have any zebras. All right, here's question number Are there asses, though? I knew we couldn't get through it without saying asses. (laughs) I knew we couldn't get through it. Isn't a donkey an ass? And the donkey's name is Mojo. Well, he he talks a lot. Bonus fun fact from Jonathan Brook. Here's question number two. Crouton first gained fame in a video showing him licking a small single-wheeled vehicle that you commonly find on a farm or in a garden. What was it? Single-wheeled vehicle Mm -hmm. you find in a farm. I need a hint. All right, Helen, how about that first hint? Webster's defines this equipment as a small, usually single-wheeled vehicle that is used for carrying small loads and is fitted with handles at the rear by which it can be pushed and guided. Oh, the wheelbarrow. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Excellent use of the hint. Fun fact, that original video on Twitter of Crouton licking a wheelbarrow now has nearly 2 million views and was captioned, Crouton and his wheelbarrow. They don't mess I around. The one thing I have not seen. The one, oh, I recommend it. It's 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 very. I'm doing cute. that. I need the viewers. Yeah. Trace, <laughs> Trace, please be careful when you lick the wheelbarrow. Just make sure it's not February in yes. Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That'll stick to it. All right. Here's question number three, Jonathan. Crouton, as you've noted, does not live by himself. He's got a bunch of buddy animals at the sanctuary too, many of whom show up on his Twitter account. But which of the following is not the name of an animal at Squirrelwood? Is it Pumpernickel? Rue, Mojo, Jack, or Jill? Jill. Very quickly answered, Helen. That is correct. That is correct. Yes, you actually had mentioned some of those names coincidentally earlier. Jonathan putting her hands up and dancing in triumph. <laughs> Fun fact, Pumpernickel is a fellow bovine. Rue is a pig. Mojo is a donkey, as you'd mentioned. Jack is a dog. Other names of the animals on the farm, I believe you've actually mentioned most of these already, include toy, big, mango, shrimp, and luscious OG. <laughs> That's the goat. That is indeed the goat, the OG the ex- original goat. The expressionless goat. goat. The expressionless goat. And there goat. are two other pot-bellied pigs called Mango and Kiwi. Oh, <laughs> More bonus gosh. fun facts from Jonathan. This is so much better than Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a lot of drama, though, but we'll get to that. Wow. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. You're three for three. Here's question number four. You, Jonathan Brooke, are not the only notable female singer-songwriter who is a fan of Crouton. What other musically talented woman not only also follows Crouton's Twitter account, but actually helped Crouton get to the farm in the first place using her own truck? I want to say Nico Case. Are you going to say that? Yes. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Wow. It's Nico Case. And another triumphant arm raise for Jonathan. Jonathan, <laughs> do, you, do you have a fun fact for this uh, one? Have, have you crossed paths or worked with Nico Case? I have not, but I, I have noticed her being mentioned on the feed once in a while. So I think she must live nearby and be a fan and buddies with the two women that run the place. All right. Very good uh, deduction. You are four for four. Have a chance to go five for five. If you can get this question correct, you do still have a hint available. 
Jonathan, as we record this, Crouton has a new friend who arrived just last week. Though she's been referred to just as Mama, Crouton's Twitter account said a few days ago that a person with an unusual job title has been working with her and, quote, has made it very clear her name is Rose, end quote. What is the job title of that person? She's very sick. Mm-hmm. So they're fixing her udders because they have infections <laughs> in two parts of the udders. Person with an unusual job title. Yes. I need a hint. Helen, how about that second hint? She communicates to the animal. Don't think too much. Listen to the hint. I like a, I like a psychic? Because I know they the, had acupuncture the other she day. She communicates to the animal. An animal communicator. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> Jonathan Brooke is Jonathan not Brooke a is, job title. It is a job title. <laughs> That's just weird. Well, do you, if you don't want the point, we, we're happy to no, take I it away. I want the point. Okay, because I mean, the they showed a picture the other day of the dogs getting freaking acupuncture. They're, they do some uh, unusual treatments there for the animal. They're, they're very well taken care of. I just love of. it. Yeah. Animal communicator. Fun fact, Rose, that cow, is a dairy cow. She's about three years old, and it was rescued from a feedlot. Jonathan Brooke, you are five for five on the at M underscore crouton <laughs> Twitter <laughs> account goodness. trivia test. Congratulations. You obviously did very well in that round, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Jonathan, like all superheroes, Crouton has an inspiring origin story. At a young age, he was advertised on a website and sold by a specific type of farm. For up to three points, how old was Crouton when he first came to Squirrelwood? What type of farm sold him? And on what website was he advertised? I think that I know that it was a veal farm. Okay. And I... I think that it was on Craigslist. All right. But I don't know, I think, the first answer. Okay. Well, you can give it your best guess. If you're if you're within a reasonable range, we'll probably give it to you. It's up to the expert. Well, I th- he, was, he was little, so I think he was maybe eight months old. Eight months old. Okay. Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is the most popular resident of Squirrelwood Equine Sanctuary, who has over 60,000 followers on Twitter. It's Crouton! <laughs> Crouton, are you there? <laughs> oh, there he is! Oh, oh my gosh! I see a barn! I see a Wait. barn! We see it. We see a cow butt, and there he is. There he is. Awesome. Oh my goodness. Hi, Crouton. Crouton, I love you so much. And uh, Helen, somebody else is there as well. Who's that? Also joining us is the co-founder of Squirrelwood Equine Sanctuary, who rescued Crouton and helps run his popular Twitter account. It's Beth Hyman. Hello, Beth Hyman. My God, hi, Beth. Hello. What? I'm just like beside myself with joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're so happy to have you. How, how is Crouton doing? Crouton is good. We just had a thunderstorm roll through, but we are doing fine. Excellent. And for our listeners, you are joining us from the barn. You did not bring Crouton into your Zoom in your house, so we appreciate you making those accommodations for us. We are in the barn, so there might be some crazy noises. We like it. Beth, I can say officially and without question, this is the first time I have ever had a Zoom meeting with a steer. Hey, there's always 
A first for everything. Now, we talk about cows. We talk about steer. We actually have done a What's the Difference on the show about steer versus bull. Do you get upset when people say cow instead of steer or vice versa? No. We've been dragged a few times on Twitter. Yeah. It's okay. Cow, yes, steer. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take yes. either. It's not trivia. You'll take either. Tell us a little bit more about the Squirrelwood Equine Sanctuary. So we are a 92-acre horse farm in the Hudson Valley of New York. Nice rolling hills, green this time of year, rain every day. And uh, we are home to about 45 horses right now. And the menagerie has been described already. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what are the kind of services that you provide for uh, your rescued animals? Uh, Basically, we bring them in and restore their health, provide uh, long-term, that's Mojo if you hear them in the background. (laughs) Basically, we make sure they're healthy and give them a place to live out their lives safely and happily. Wonderful. And uh, of course, you gladly accept donations from people. What is the site uh, that people can uh, go to, to to donate? And what do you use the donations for? Uh, it is squirrelwood.org is our website. And basically all the funds that come in uh, support the animals. That's feed and, you know, whatever basically they need, medicine, vet care. That is primarily what it does. And obviously keep the lights on, right? That's important. That I've heard, yes. Uh, and uh, people can visit the, the sanctuary as well. You've had some visitors since uh, Crouton's internet fame. Yes, we have. It was pretty quiet during COVID. We shut down. Now we're back open again. So by appointment, we let visitors come in, spend time with Crouton and the rest of the, the crew. People have favorites that they want to visit with. So all the pigs are wandering around. They might wander through. You might hear them, but... Yeah. That's fantastic. Jonathan is so excited, uh, I can tell, to visit next time she's in the area. She's we're just squealing. We're, we're seeing Crouton's ears kind of yeah. peek above your <laughs> shoulders a little bit. <laughs> yeah, by the way, if you, hear, if you hear squealing, that could be the pigs or it could be Jonathan with excitement. We'll, we'll... That's okay. How did you get into uh, animal rescuing and especially these kinds of farm animals? My dad was a veterinarian, so I grew up with all manner of creatures, and yeah. it was sort of just a natural, you know, extension of that. We always dragged something home to save, and he'd put it in a shoebox and tend its health, and that's how I grew up. So this is a pretty natural state of being for me. Well, why do you think Crouton was the one to touch so many people when you've got so many animals that you'd put out there? You know what? He was the first one. He was a little calf and everybody, and it was actually Nico who said, you know, he needs a social media account. And, I was, and I'm thinking, oh, it was Nico? Yeah, it was. And I was like, oh, I need this like a hole in the head. But, you know, here we are, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, initially it was, you know, five people watching a nightly video. And I was like, I must be crazy, you know? And and it just grew organically from there. And now we're about 60,000 strong, you know? It's, wow. It's, it's great. And you've got merch. Uh, Jonathan was mentioning to us off here that she actually uh, has some of the uh, some of the crouton merch. What do you have, Jonathan? I have the coffee mugs. I have a crouton coffee mug and a shower coffee mug. Whoa. Oh! Is that Rose? Is That's that Rose? Mojo. That's Mojo. That's that Mojo. was Mojo. Wow. Uh, Sorry, Jonathan, you were, you were interrupted, unsurprisingly, <laughs> by a donkey uh, in a barn. Tell us again what you have there, Jonathan. I have two coffee mugs. I have Crouton and Charlotte coffee mugs for my coffee. Very, very sweet. And Beth, I think, Beth, are you wearing a T-shirt? I from, am. I am. A merch There's T-shirt. a Crouton Pride shirt. Yeah. Yes. Crouton I Pride. Crouton, I, I, I love that Crouton is woke. Uh, <laughs> Crouton. He is. He is. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look at that sweetheart. I didn't know that boy cows um, had such long eyelashes. Oh, oh God, I'm dead. I'm dead. Over <laughs> Crouton is just part of his name. Can you tell us what his full name is and, and where that name came from? So there were a couple people here the day he arrived, and he was dubbed Marty Crouton Valentino because he has a heart <laughs> on his head. I came up with the crouton. He was square and brown, so it was <laughs> pretty obvious choice to me, but, you know. Sure. And on online, the M underscore crouton, people actually think it's Monsieur. So he can be <laughs> Monsieur Crouton. <laughs> Bonjour, Crouton. Bonjour. Bonjour. Crouton does have a heart on his head, yeah, on his he does. forehead. Oh, yeah. And you're giving him scritches right now. Where does he appreciate the scritches the most? Oh, right here. This is spot. Right here, on, under, the, under the side of the cheeks, oh, it looks like, yes. in the jowls. Right here. Oh. <laughs> My cold, cold heart is dripping with <laughs> melt, melt water. Melt that's water. what it took it. That's, that's okay. What, that's what it took. That's Crouton what it took. That. Yep. Uh, well, my goodness, it's it's. It, I, I hate to have to move on, but when Crouton is just staring into my soul like that. But let's get to the reason what you brought you here. As far as our game is concerned, you heard the questions that we asked of Jonathan Brook. First, we wanted to know how old was Crouton when he first came to Squirrelwood. Helen, what did Jonathan say? Jonathan said eight months old. And Beth Hyman, he was two weeks old. Two <gasps> weeks old. Yeah. Two weeks old. Yeah. But that probably goes to show how large uh, cows and steer can look when they're when they're uh, that age. You probably look uh, to be a lot yeah, older. Yeah, they're about 100, 150 pounds. Yeah. What? Yeah. 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 What? Easy mistake to make, and but e- I should have known. I should have known. That's all right, but no point there. Wait, wait, wait. Mama cows push out like a hundred pound baby out their hoo ha. Yes. Yes. Ha. Helen, does that does that make the new baby in your household seem more manageable? Yes. <laughs> well, and yes. Also, Beth, like, so Rose was a birthing cow, right? Yes. And so she had to push out a lot, a lot of babies out of her hoo-ha, and that's why she was so depleted and needed rescue, correct? Yes. 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 And please, let's let's uh, if we're going to use words like hoo-ha, let's at least call it a moo-ha. All right, let's go to question <laughs> number two that we asked. <laughs> Guys, it's what this show is. You might as well accept it. This is our 89th be, episode. This is what we do here. I'll be here all day. I'll he'll be, be here, here all day. All yeah, day. <laughs> Send your cards and letters to Helen Hong. Uh, all right, next we wanted to know from Jonathan, what type of farm sold crouton? Helen, what did Jonathan say? Jonathan said a veal farm. And Beth? Okay, she was very close. It's a dairy farm. Ah, dairy farm. Do you want to give it a point or a half point? That's up to you. Oh, definitely a half point there. Okay, half point. Uh, Half point, very good. Half point for Jonathan. We are looking for a dairy farm. All right, and finally wanted to know, on what website was Crouton advertised that allowed him to be rescued and brought to Squirrelwood Equine Sanctuary? Helen, what did Jonathan say? Jonathan said Craigslist. And Beth? That is correct. That is correct for the point. It was Craigslist. A, a rare positive experience that came out of somebody advertising on Craigslist. <laughs> uh, Beth, before we let you go, Jonathan, is anything you'd like to ask or say to our expert or experts while we have them here? Oh, my God. I have so many questions. But how is Huey doing? Huey's excellent. Growing like a weed. And Huey is, remind us, please. He's the smallest pig resident. Got so it. he came from Philly. Oh. He hopped a flight, came to us from Philadelphia, and uh, he's doing great. And did Huey fly commercial? No. He okay. Had a private, he had a private plane. You oh. know, what? they come in style, right? 
Whoa! Yeah. It would have been something if Huey had flown a Huey, but uh, I guess not. Okay. <laughs> bougie, bougie yeah. Huey. Hey, you're close. And That's how we got his name. His yeah, little oh, tail. His little tail goes around like a. Like a helicopter. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, I can tell you're very invested. We do have to move on. We want to thank so much, uh, Beth Hyman, for joining us. If people want to find Crouton and support Squirrelwood Equine Sanctuary, where can they do that? It's squirrelwood.org. Visits are welcome. You can come see the animals and... Wow! Yeah, come yeah, on I out. I need to come visit sometime. And when I'm on tour in the neighborhood, I'll, I'll come by and visit. And, Amazing. Um, I think you yeah, need to do and- a concert at the farm, but that's just me. Yeah, why not? Maybe Nico and I can like... Hey, that would be awesome. Do that. Awesome. Well, we thank you so much for joining us, everybody. It's Beth Hyman and Crouton. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. What a what a joy. What a, this is like Christmas. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of the round, Jonathan Brook has seven points and Trace Beaulieu has half a point with a round of questions for Trace coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Trace about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Jonathan and Trace will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, we have a new sponsor. (gasps) It is Rotman Business School. Ooh, all business, all school. All Rotman. (laughs) You know, the job market is a mess right now, and whether you're looking for a new opportunity or want to make yourself a stronger candidate for promotion, how you present yourself is key to taking the next step. Executive presence is the secret sauce to success. Rotman's unique virtual executive presence program will equip you with tools and tips to engage and influence others. Yeah, Rotman has designed this comprehensive virtual program to work around your current schedule. With Rotman's executive presence, you can balance working from home and watching the kids with building your emotional intelligence and making connections with peers across different industries. The University of Toronto Rotman School of Management is one of the best schools in Canada and the world, ranked number 17 for open enrollment executive education by the Financial Times. Visit uofte.me slash executive presence. That's uofte.me slash executive presence to learn more and apply. Class starts September 15th. Start your application today to save your seat. That's uofte.me slash executive presence. Rotman, here's where it changes. Thank, Thank you, you, Rotman Business School. Now that is some executive presence. Hey there, beautiful people. Did you hear that good, good news? Something about the baby Jesus? Mm, he's coming back. Or do you mean the fact <laughs> that Apple Podcasts has named Fanti one of the best shows of 2020? I mean, we already knew that we was hot stuff, but a little external validation never hurts, okay? Hosted by me, writer and journalist Jared Hill. And me, the ebony enchantress myself, <laughs> Travel Anderson. Fanti is your home for complex conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the people, places, and things we're huge fans of, but got some anti-feelings toward. You name it, we fanti you. Nobody's off limits. Check us out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Jonathan Brooke and Trace Beaulieu. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Trace, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Monty Python, Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's monster, and Minnesota cuisine. First, let's find out a little bit more about (laughs) each of those. Tell us why you chose Monty Python. Monty Python 
pretty much saved my life when I was in high school. It was so not like any kind of comedy that we had ever seen before. I've had the great honor of meeting a few of the Pythons. And, uh, wow. you know, again, when you meet your heroes and they're like really cool, normal people, yeah, even though they've provided this outrageous form of entertainment, just one of the, the seminal pieces of entertainment in my life that have meant everything. That's really lovely. All right, Chase, you also said you know a lot about Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's monster. You know, again, it's when I was a kid, those films were on television late night on the weekends. I absolutely love Boris Karloff as that creature. I mean, he made hundreds of fabulous movies. That one resonates with me just because it's he's got so much pathos. Mm. He's supposed to be evil, but it's not his fault. He's in this situation really out of his control. And Karloff brings such humanity to that role, just absolutely inspiring from a, a human standpoint. Uh, now, are you one of those sticklers where if someone said, I loved Boris Karloff as Frankenstein, that you would smack them and correct them saying it's Frankenstein's monster? No. Everyone's welcome. You know, oh, wow. That, <laughs> You know, You're an open-hearted I, Frankenstein monster fan. If we chat about it, we'll get back around to that, and yes. then maybe I'll gently say, you know, <laughs> take them aside, you know, in a, in a quiet <laughs> corner. Yeah, <laughs> take, you don't embarrass them publicly. Come yeah. on. no, I no, mean, that's not at just all. rude. That's just rude. <laughs> that's what this show is for. <laughs> We're writing Frankenstein into my new musical. Are you, oh. Jonathan? What a fun coincidence! We're mentioning it. Yeah, not oh. and not Frankenstein's monster though. Frankenstein. No. Yeah. no. Frankenstein's yeah. so, monster is harder to rhyme. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. And then finally, Trace, you said you know a lot about Minnesota cuisine, and you added the note, such as it is. I was fortunate to not grow up forced to eat that food, mm -hmm. aside from walleye and things like that. But there's a lot of hot dish stuff that, you know, we were more into like Chinese food and deli food and, you know, things that actually had flavor. Uh, but I am aware of it so that I can avoid it. Uh, <laughs> the lutefisk, the things like that. Lefts is okay. It's like a crepe, you know, it's got sugar on it. But some of those nasty Scandinavian things. You avoid. Yeah. Is yeah. there something that you love, though, especially of, of Minnesota cuisine? I guess the walleye would be. The walleye. Yeah. Although in Minnesota, uh, we get it all from Canada. There's no walleye fishing in Minnesota, commercial fishing anyway. But we live on a river, so whenever we want a walleye, we just wade out, grab one, and bring it back. Wow, that's very, Whoa, that's very industrious. You, you are living straight out of li Little House on the Prairie right now. You just wade out into the river and just grab a fish it, there's <laughs> with a your little bare hands. In, involved. Um, <laughs> I watched an eagle do that the other morning. He was eating a fish on a sandbar. And I was like, wow, that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to summarize, Trace, you told us you know a lot about Monty Python, Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's monster, and Minnesota cuisine. Today, we want to quiz you about Minnesota cuisine. Uh -huh, All right. <laughs> Is there something that you think all the Minnesota cuisine has in common? Like, what, what's the defining characteristic of Minnesota cuisine? A lot of love. Hmm. That's lovely. That is literally lovely. Now, do you make Minnesota cuisine yourself? Do you cook? I do cook. I don't do the hot dish mm -hmm. unless we're going someplace where they require it. <laughs> and where would that be? Where do they require hot dish? Any gathering, any picnic, any uh, <laughs> okay. church function. 
I was going to say church probably yeah. yes. is, uh, is the number oh, one it's answer. almost national night out here as well. That's right. Yeah. A yeah. lot of block parties, stuff like that. Hot dish I read, is, it does not have a specific recipe. It can vary from person to person. What, what do you traditionally put in your hot dish, Trace? Well, the tater tot is a go-to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the tater tot can be, you know, mixed with so many things. Yes. Um, it's a very it's, versatile food. Yes. Yes. I, I try to make it a staple of my diet. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, Trace, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Jonathan, do listen closely because if Trace answers incorrectly, you can steal. Jonathan, by the way, how much do you know about Minnesota cuisine? I don't know so much. Good for you. Except there's just a lot lot of bars they make bars a lot yeah like congo bars and toffee bars and chocolate chip <laughs> bars and and they say bar they do say bar, bar and and you definitely have your minnesota accent <laughs> i literally as a city dweller who doesn't know much about minnesota at all i literally thought you were talking about a drinking establishment <laughs> i was like wow are there that many bars in minnesota there I are <laughs> well there are that too yes. they're, they're they're good at drinking here but they, as well. but they love their dessert uh, bars as well <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. Here's question number one about Minnesota cuisine for Trace Beaulieu. Trace, although it's frequently associated with Hawaii's cuisine, what canned pork brand is such a product of Minnesota that there's a museum dedicated to the stuff in the town of Austin, Minnesota? That would be your spam. Helen? Spam, 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 wonderful spam. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. And as Jonathan pointed out, the subject of another one of Trace's topics, Money yes. Python. But Python the point, crossover. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But the point does go to Trace. Uh, fun and fact, Frankenstein's oh. Monster, I think, was made primarily out of spam. Really? Wow. <laughs> as a Korean American, I am primarily made out of spam. Wow, Helen, we're learning <laughs> yeah. so much about everybody. Yeah. Well, here's my fun fact. I have been to the Spam Museum and am currently drinking from the Spam mug I purchased there. Wow. This is nice. I don't know if it's getting I've never been shot. to the museum. It was closed when we went. Oh, no. Well, I can tell you everything that I learned there. It's a lot. All right. Here's question number two for Trace Bilyeu. Trace, you can get a cheeseburger in any state, but Minnesota specializes in a burger where the cheese is, get this, inside the meat. What rhyming name is given to this amazing creation? That would be the Juicy Lucy. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point, the Juicy Lucy. All right. You are two for two, Trace. Here's question number three. I have a feeling you might know this. Minnesota's official state fish is, according to the state's tourism website, quote, number one in the minds of many who appreciate the challenge of catching it and the delectable taste of its firm white meat. What kind of fish is this? That would be your walleye. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course. You did not need the hint that time, but Helen, what would that hint have been? It's not the floor ear. (laughs) That's right. Huh? (laughs) Helen really missing those live audiences. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Woo, pew, pew, pew. Fun fact, walleye is also the state fish of South Dakota. Because apparently they can't do anything on their own. All right, you are three for three, Trace. Here's question number four. We talked about hot dishes, and if you visit a family in Minnesota, there is a good chance they'll serve you hot dish, a casserole-like creation that can include anything from canned soups to hamburger meat to those lovely tater tots, all stirred together and baked. And while hot dish is not unique to the state, Minnesota does have the only congressional delegation to hold a contest to see who can make the best one. What elected official started this politician competition tradition? 
we're spending our money on that. Mm-hmm. You know, our roads and infrastructure can go by the wayside, but what is most important is the hot dish coalition. <laughs> yes. I would like the hint. Helen, how about that first hint? He is probably the only elected member of the federal government ever to win an Emmy for writing on Saturday Night Live. That would be Al Franken. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, Senator Al Franken. Jonathan, a little frustrated. She didn't get a chance to steal on that one. I knew knew it, it. and I was going to say it, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know what the rules were. Was I allowed to steal or no? No, only if he got it wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, That is the point for Trace. Fun fact, the most recent winner of the competition in 2019 was Representative Betty McCollum. And she had a very interesting recipe that I recommend you look up while you're not nauseated. I'm sorry. I just I just need clarification. So yes, every lawmaker from the state of Minnesota has to submit their recipe for this hot dish. Not just a recipe. They have to make it. And then there's a contest. They have to, they have to make a hot dish. Yes. And, it can go, and anything can go in it, usually tater tots. Yes. And then everybody tastes and everybody votes. And then they are all buried somewhere yes. near Ely. <laughs> Another great reason to consider moving to Minnesota. All right, Trace, you have a chance to go five for five if you can get this question correct. You do still have one hint available. Minnesota cuisine relies on Minnesota farmers. And since the mid-1950s, the Midwest Dairy Association has crowned a dairy princess at the Minnesota State Fair. This lucky lady is then immortalized with her likeness carved in butter. What is the official title of this buttery princess? I think I know this. Mm-hmm. And I have seen this done at the fair. Uh, I'm going to ask for a hint on this one. All right, Helen. How about that second hint? It's a royal title followed by a name that sounds like a letter of the alphabet followed by the name of the galaxy we're in. And it all rhymes. Princess K of the Milky Way? No, Helen? that's a different thing. That is correct. It is. It is. Princess K of the Milky Way. Princess K of the Milky Way. Jonathan looks shocked. Wow. I I was going to guess that, but you're so good, Trace. He is so good. Trace, you have gone five for five. Congratulations. Wow. Wow. And I couldn't make the Tokyo Olympics, so this is my (laughs) (laughs) Fun fact, for the past four decades, the sculptures have been carved by artist Linda Christensen. And at the end of the fair, the princess and members of her court get to take their likenesses home and spread them on toast. What? (laughs) I have a new item on my bucket list, which is to have my likeness in butter. All right, Trace, you obviously did very well in that round, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Trace, in addition to the fun foods we've discussed, Minnesota's also known for its fine dining, thanks largely in part to one resident who helped put Minnesota cuisine on the map. And while he lives in Minnesota, his food journeys have taken him all around the world in search of bizarre foods, winning an Emmy in the process. For up to three points, what is the name of this globe-trotting Minnesotan? What was the Twin Cities French restaurant where he first made his mark? And at what Minnesota stadium can you currently find his namesake Korean chicken? Is the restaurant La Belle V? La Belle V, all right. And I'm blanking on the gentleman's name. I never got to La Belle V. I moved north of Stillwater, and that restaurant moved downtown as soon as I got here. And I took that as a big message. Uh, <laughs> 
So I okay, I got the restaurant right. And what was the third part of the question? Uh, we're looking at, at what Minnesota stadium can you currently find his namesake Korean chicken? Oh God, this is so hard because we have that's all we have is stadiums here. <laughs> I will say the uh, the one that plays baseball in. I'm not a sports guy. Really, I couldn't tell. Uh, do you have a guess for the name of that stadium, Trace? Uh, the Twin Stadium? The Twin Stadium. Okay, and any guess on the gentleman's name? I, I apologize. Yeah, it's I on am... the tip of your tongue, I can tell, but no no answer there? Pass. Or can I call for a, a sponsor? Or... No, you can <laughs> You can call your sponsor, but... Can I get a dish You can do a 10-step on it, but no. Yeah. All right, we have uh, the answers that Trace was able to pull. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? He is an Emmy and James Beard award-winning TV personality, chef, writer, teacher, and social justice advocate whose show Family Dinner will stream on the new Magnolia Network and currently on Discovery Plus, and he lives in Minnesota, it's Andrew Zimmern. Hello, Andrew Zimmern. Hello, how are you? I was just going to say that. You were just going to say that, Trace. I am am prostate in front of you because I forgot your name. (laughs) That, that's that's quite all right. I, I was there was a little piece of me died inside having been such an avid fan of yours uh, for so many years. But I get it. We're good. Well, Andrew, uh, thank you so much for joining us. People, of course, have seen you as a judge on Chopped, Top Chef, Top Chef Masters and Iron Chef. And of course, know you from your whole franchise of Bizarre Foods shows and books on Bizarre Foods. You would go just about anywhere and eat just about anything. I'm wondering what's it like having that reputation precede you? It's difficult. I go out to have a Juicy Lucy with my son mm-hmm. at a local tavern and somebody puts a raw pig's head with a knife in it in front of me and they think that they're doing me a favor. I, I just want a burger with my child. But, but I, I will say both Trace and Jonathan have done a really great job letting people know what the central fact of Minnesota life is. And that mm. is love and care for our fellow humans, despite some mm. of the awfulness that we've seen over the course of the last, you know, not just years, but decades. Um, things don't make us whole. People make us whole. I can never repay that debt to the people of our great, my adopted home state. I thought you were going to say tater tots make us whole. <laughs> now, tater tots, no, I, I, I will all. say thank, thank you, Helen. Thank you for reminding me about something I'd really like to clear up because there was a ton of misinformation there. We seem to have, uh, you know, that over the last couple of years have been uh, trying to make sure that every opportunity that uh, we see people spreading misinformation, we need to correct the record immediately. Please. Uh, that's so, what the show's all about. So hot dishes uh, are assembled and layered. Mm. Oh, casseroles are stirred and baked, right? Oh, so, so it, I'll, I'll give you an example. Tuna noodle casserole has all those goods. It's all stirred in, sprinkle some potato chips or cheese or whatever on top and bake it. But it's one mixture underneath the surface. Hot dish is layered like my tater tot hot dish, which, you know, starts with a ground beef mixture and then green beans and then a mushroom layer and then a tater tot layer and then it's baked like several other people on the panel and and i think jonathan (laughs) mentioned it i had never eaten a casserole or a hot dish in my life until i moved to minnesota and then you're inundated with them i was at a friend's (laughs) house once and i said what's for dinner and they said wagon wheel hot dish and i was like wagon wheel (laughs) hot dish and let me explain to you what it is please it's an 18 inch pan Okay, oh God. massive. That, I'm in. An 18 inch pan is massive. Homemade chili 
is the bottom oh. layer. Then a boxed cornbread mix. The batter is made. It's spread on top. Whoa. Then you put a whole tomato in dead center. Okay, that's the spoke. And then you use hot dogs and you float <laughs> them oh at the top, God. pulling them out to the edges, and you bake it. I'd also like to point out, after hearing that, uh, also you can find in Minnesota uh, the Mayo Clinic, which has an excellent cardiology unit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned some of the social justice issues that have been happening in Minnesota, and Helen introduced you as a social justice advocate, uh, as well as the other credits. Uh, you actually see a very clear link between social justice and food. Can you tell us about that? I do. One of the most obvious ways to track so many of the disparities in our life in a country that's predicated on equality, we've done a pretty lousy job of it uh, since 1776. One of the things that allows us to celebrate our differences is with food. So I use that and it's my area of expertise and uh, obviously do a lot of work I co-founded the Independent Restaurant Coalition last year to try to save restaurants. I work with the UN, a lot of big fancy pants agencies, and sit on a lot of boards trying to make the world a better place. Well, we're so grateful that you do. It's such a great example of how you can take this one thing that you love and really expand it to so many different areas of life and, and of helping people. It's also kind of the message behind your new show called Family Dinner, where you're literally visiting families making their traditional dinner. And you were doing that uh, through the pandemic as well. Tell us about what that was like. Well, we have, I own a Minnesota production company called Intuitive Content. And when Magnolia was created pre-pandemic, they came to us, said, we want an intuitive content show. We have a certain look and feel with our food travel stuff, a little mm -hmm. bit different than our true crime or our scripted and unscripted shows in other areas. And I immediately just blurted out, first thing came out of my mouth was family dinner. And then they came back and said, would you host it? And I think the reason that it really resonated with Chip and Joe and the folks at Discovery, their partners was that in its simplicity, so much is revealed. So, you know, an example, we, we had a grandmother who was suffering a lot of domestic abuse, escaped the horrific household she was trapped in with her children, stashed the kids with her sister and escaped to America, worked for three years, saved up all her money and brought the kids up to Iowa where she was living. That was 20 some odd years ago. The families expanded and they gather together every week to make sure all generations understand how precious life is and how quickly it can turn. There's a lot of food shows that aren't gonna tell you that story, but over a family dinner, which is seemingly a very simplistic ideal, uh, idea, right. right? You know, fat white guy goes around America and eats with families. <laughs> Um, much like my other show, Fat Guy Goes Around the World Eats Bugs, <laughs> there's actually, you know, there's a three-level chess situation going on, and it allows us to do things in that simplicity that other shows don't. Yeah, no, a lot of people try to come up with a show, and it's like, oh, let's bring two celebrity guests together and quiz them and bring on an expert or something like that. That. That never works. Don't, don't, never don't work. stop doing that. I love that. <laughs> All right, Andrew, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Trace. We wanted to know, what was the Twin Cities French restaurant where a certain globetrotting Minnesota resident made his mark first? Helen, what did Trace say? Trace said La Belle Vie. And Andrew? Café Undertois in the Fauché Tower. Café Undertois was the correct answer. No point there, but a seemingly very reasonable guess. Excellent guess and French. And French, which... That you know. That's as far as I could go in the French. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we wanted to know, at what Minnesota stadium can you currently find that chef's namesake Korean chicken? Helen, what did Trey say? 
The Twins Stadium. And Andrew Zimmer? <laughs> Semi-correct. Target field. Target field. Where the Twins play. The tw- yes. Okay, well, would you like to give him the point or a half point or none? It's up to you. I'd like to give half points. I believe in half points. I also believe that Jonathan should get a point or two for knowing the answers and not being able to steal despite your own rules. So <laughs> Wow, the rare points <laughs> awarded to the other contestant by our expert. I don't know if that's... Yeah, but I didn't know about Twinfield, whatever. Jo- John- Jonathan, <laughs> it- it's nay on the uh, knowing nay. <laughs> Take the points. No, no, no. Wait, so, so, is, so Andrew, is, the, is it called Andrew Zimmern's Korean chicken? Our booth is called the Canteen, so I, I believe... I haven't been this year. So it's, well, you know, I did the, look it up, and I believe it is actually called. I believe it is called Andrew Zimmern's KFC with an asterisk. Ah, <laughs> very clever, yes. very clever of them. Yes, the, very the, clever. The, the of asterisk them. meaning don't sue us. Uh, very, very clever <laughs> of them. All right, so a half point there for Trace, and finally wanted to know who is that globe-trotting Minnesotan we've been speaking of, Helen? What did Trace say? Trace could not pull the name. But what is the name he should have pulled, Andrew Zimmern? That would be. Andrew Zimmern. Andrew Zimmern. <laughs> no point there. Uh, I got that one right. You did. <laughs> Trace, before we let Andrew go, is there anything you'd like to say or ask of our expert while we have him here? We talked about all this hot dish and all this stuff and spam and things and this sort of old world Minnesota food. One of the great things that happened, I think, late 70s was the Hmong and uh, Vietnamese coming here and bringing flavor is there, is there something on the horizon that we should look for? I think what you're going to see, and this takes a couple of generations, is now we have chefs, cooks, talented culinarians who are East African, who are Hmong, who are now rising to national prominence and shining a light on that cuisine and their people and their roots. Yia Vang, who is probably the, the most popular Hmong chef in Minnesota, is now doing national TV stuff and is getting out there and has a couple of restaurants opening. You know, you see Sean Sherman, the sous chef, opening a indigenous first peoples mm. uh, restaurant that just opened a couple of weeks ago. And by the way, that, that sous chef, uh, S-I-O-U-X. The sous, sous chef yes. that way, yeah. The sous chef. We have a very large Mexican and Central yeah. American population hidden. You know, a lot of Salvadorans are in the Twin Cities. And I think, you know, those foods are just going to be plussed up because the diners are requiring it, right? Mm-hmm. I hope it, it it encourages more people to reach out to their fellow humans. I think it's never been more important in our country to do that. Well, what a wonderful message to end on. Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out more about you and your work, Andrew, where can they do that? Oh, all things Andrew Zimmern are at andrewzimmern.com. Excellent. (laughs) We thank you so much for joining us and for blessing us with uh, your your wonderful message about how to view the world. I think it's really heart opening and we thank you so much. Andrew Zimmern, everybody. Thank you. All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? At the end of this round, Jonathan Brook has seven points and Trace Beaulieu has six points. Oh, quite a comeback for Trace. Let's see what happens now, because now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Trace and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Trace, Mall of America is located in Minnesota. True. That is correct. Jonathan, Mall of America has over 100 stores. True. That is correct. It currently has 520. Trace, Mall of America has an aquarium. True. Correct. Jonathan, people can get married underwater at the aquarium. True. 
Correct. Trace, if you don't want to get married underwater, Mall of America also has a wedding chapel. True. Correct. Jonathan, it's called the Chapel of America. True. Incorrect. No. No, no, that would that would be tacky to get married at a chapel at a mall called Chapel of America. No, it's called the Chapel of Love. Oh. Trace, over 8,000 couples have had ceremonies there. True. Correct. Jonathan, wedding packages start at $249. True. Correct. Trace, wedding packages include the choice of a staff minister. True. Correct. Jonathan, they offer a choice of four reverends and two pastors. <laughs> True. Correct. Trace, but a rabbi will cost extra. True. True. <laughs> Always. We're not going to count that last one. Uh, it turns out a lot of us Jews don't want to get married in a mall in Minnesota. Uh, let's thank Jonathan Brooke. No judgment. Yeah, no judgment. Let's thank Trace Bullu and Jonathan Brooke as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner of today's show? Jay Keith, guess what? What? It's a tie! Oh my goodness! What a competition! Ugh. Both Jonathan Brooke and Trace Bullu have 11 points! Wow! Uh. All right, look that, at us go. Look at you go, indeed. All right, that means we're going to go to the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker works like this. The answer is a number. Whoever gets closer to the correct number wins. Now, we do not play prices Right style, so no guessing $1. I'm going to ask the question. You'll think about it for a moment, and then I'll ask you to blurt out your answers at the same time on the count of three. So don't answer out loud right away. All right, here we go. In the most recent Supreme Court session from October 2020 to July of 2021, what percentage of the court's rulings were unanimous? Again, we're looking for a number, the percentage of the court's rulings that were unanimous. All right. Jonathan is locking in her answer, which looks like it was written down on the window over there. Mm. Trace, <laughs> Trace rightly doesn't care as much. And Trace, Trace is counting on his fingers, trying to recall all of the decisions of the last Supreme Court session. All right, on the count of three, please uh, say your answers. One, two, three. One percent. All right, Jonathan says one. Trace says six. The actual answer, believe it or not, 44%. 44%. That means, Trace, you were closer. Congratulations, Trace. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Trace, what will you do with your championship? I will wear the robe until the next winner, and then I will give the scepter and the crown to the next lucky person. I think you should have to make one of those wagon wheel hot dishes. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. This is a cause for celebration. I'll make it, but I won't eat it. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to eat it until they put the hot dogs on the top. And then I'm like, Oh, you got to have the hot dogs. What are you going to use? Tofu dogs? Come on. I haven't had a hot dog since I was 12. You could. You could have a tofurkey dog. Well, thank you both for representing Minnesota so well and for being such lovely guests. Uh, We want to give everyone here a chance to promote anything that they might like people to know about. Jonathan Brook, where can people find you and your work? JonathanBrook.com. Simple and easy. A pleasure and an honor for me personally to have you here. It's so wonderful for me to be able to host someone whose work and art has meant so much to me. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much. All right, Trace Beaulieu, I also like you and your work. Uh, Where can people find you? We are on Eventbrite. Look for The Mads Are Back. We have a show on August 10th at 8 o'clock Eastern. That's the only place you can find me. I'm not anywhere else. 
Nowhere else. He's an invisible man in an invisible world. You don't exist. But yet, you're somehow here. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Trace. Bull, you. you. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. Helen, what do you have going on? If you haven't already checked out the show Never Have I Ever on Netflix, I am in season two of that. So check that out. Uh, You can also follow me on the socials at Funny Helen Hong, because some other woman named Helen Hong has all my handles. And... I haven't killed her yet. <laughs> One day at a time, Helen. One day at a time. Helen Hong. And me, uh, please watch The Hustler on ABC. I wrote a bunch of the questions on that show. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Trace Beaulieu, Jonathan Brook, Beth Hyman and Crouton, and Andrew Zimmern. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at maxfunstore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night! Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday, we may have an announcement about that soon. Go to gofactorpod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Niels Cole did. He, she, or they said, I really love this show. Don't know how much more needs to be said. Thanks, Niels Cole. That says it all. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and Jake Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor and everyday hero is Julian Burrell. Today's show was engineered by Dave McKeever. Special thanks to Willie Norkin at the Brooks Group, Stephanie Pappas at PRA, Sean Hall, Brody Greenwald, Aaron Ferdinand, Sarah Rodenbaugh, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Nedef, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Villada. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go visit Crouton! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.